book number two. Well, it sounds like the recording has started. Yeah, but we, we, yeah, it has started, so don't say anything you don't want recorded. So I went to this CCIM thing on, on uh, whenever I went, Wednesday, Barry, and uh, you had an office broker talk about the office market, industrial, retail, and investment sales and an economist and it, you know <laughs> it's so reminiscent of 2007 I mean everything you know they were waiting for me to get up and, and talk about doom and gloom which of course I didn't except for food halls so um, it just was the 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 over exuberance in all asset classes for South Florida was just crazy Wow. As a positive, like everyone is just extremely positive about the prospects or? Yeah, they're, sure. they're saying that there's no recession coming, um, interest rates will stay low, uh, you know, they're expecting by the end of 2030 um, for Florida to have over, I think, 30 million people in Florida. Uh, you know, the economist joked that Florida and Texas should do something called, what did he call it? Um, like, uh, what did he call it? Flexit. Like, like to rhyme with Brexit, but Flexit. Like Florida and Texas should, you know, proceed from the union. <laughs> it's very funny. Well, if you, if, for those that live in, live in Texas, that, that they already think they're not part of the union, so... <laughs> yeah, oh, and, and also a multifamily panel. So every asset class was just, you know, booming in South Florida. So I got up there. I was the last speaker, and I said, you know, my, my son's a rapper, so I know about rap rappers and rap songs, and there's a song by Big Sean and Drake called Blessed, and that's what we should all feel living in South Florida after these five speakers I just heard. Wow, crazy! I mean, it was exuberant. ICS so, should be pretty. Should be a heck of a show this year, then. Yeah, I just posted on um, on our local. We have a South Florida Idea Exchange where people, you know, share ideas of listings, etc. That to, just a, a reminder, if people don't know, that Vegas starts on Sunday this year. The booths are open on Sunday, and. Uh, Florida ICSE, which for our group is important, uh, it's a week later this year. Barry, did you know that? I think I saw that, yeah. I don't, they, so they need I to guess. move. They need to swap New York and Orlando, personally. I really wish they would do that, just get Florida's later in the year out of hurricane season. Actually, a week later yeah. last year would have been an absolute disaster because I think that's when we had the hurricane that went through central Florida. It was like a week after we had it, so that would have been like <laughs> right in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah. All right. It's 11:30, Mr. Parsons. You're on. All righty. Well, to to everybody that is on the call, this is our monthly rock star uh, book club, and we have a uh, special guest today. <laughs> um. Beth, Beth Azor is our guest, and, and she is the author of the Retail Leasing Playbook. 
and um, Beth has decided to donate her time today to and answer some questions, kind of give us, you know, basically open up her open up her brain a little bit. We can dive in and all learn a little bit from her experience and you know her mistakes and her positives and negatives and and everything else. And and so um, for those that that are on, we'll, we'll kind of just dive right in. Um, so Beth. We kind of talked about this initially before the before the call, but one of the one of the sections in the book that I that I think was perhaps the most one of one of the most valuable ones is when we get to the the call sheet, and you know I, I think it's on you know chapter thirty four that 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 call sheet, and, and what I think was so valuable about it was simply because it really can touch, you know, it really can be used by anybody in commercial real estate or for that matter in sales for that matter um, in all classes. So where do you see people using that regularly around the industry and um, where did this, you know, where was the genesis of, of this, of the idea? Um. Sure. And by the way, my co-author, Jill Rapson, which without her, I could have never written the first or the second book because she literally wrote the words that were in my head. She's also on the call. So um, thank you, Jill, from the bottom of my heart for helping us, for helping me reach these Sorry, Jill. I, I, I apologize for not acknowledging Jill. I apologize. Sorry. No worries. Well, it's an honor to write what's in Beth's head. Let me just say that. An honor. Easy. <laughs> So I didn't know she was going to be on the call. She just ran the Disney Marathon. I thought she'd still be uh, in bed. But um, So we're, we're blessed to have her on the call as well. But as far as the call-in sheet, so where it came out of, I believe, and it, you know, I think I created the call sheet or the list of questions when I was a, a rookie because I think I would go take deals to my boss and say, I think I just got a live one. And then he would send me back and say, well, did you ask this? Did you ask this? Did you ask this? And, and I'd say, no, no, no. And he would send me back. And I think I accumulated those questions until, and, and, and they probably hung in my cubicle until I started, you know, having them memorized so that I could ask all of the questions so I didn't, my boss didn't keep sending me back. And then I probably had them memorized. They probably, then the list went into the garbage. Then I became more of a veteran. Then I became the leasing director. And then I had a team of 8 to 12 leasing agents, and they would bring me deals. And then they would bring me deals, and I would say, did you ask this? Did you ask this? Did you ask this? So then I created the sheet and gave it to the leasing agents, and um, which was very valuable, again, when you're rookies. And I do think that sometimes vets stop using it. Now, I will tell you, Greg asked me this um, yesterday. We had a little prep call, and Greg said, um, you know, how many people do you think use this? And I would tell you that it's one of the things that bosses tell me that they're hang when they come back from the Rockstar Workshop, that they see it 
hanging in their people's cubicles, and also that it is um, it also is uh, something that people tell me was the biggest help from you know the workshops when they come to the workshops because that's up until my digital class, which is going on right now, and, and before the book was written, I didn't, you know, the only people that really got that were people that were in my workshops. But now it's available in the book and in the digital class. So I think more people will use it. And, and, and the, thing, the, the thing that I preach so much about qualifying is these questions allow you to qualify and I always say, when does the leasing ha agent have the most leverage? The leasing agent has the most leverage in the whole deal process before they give the rental rate. Because up until the time that the leasing agent gives the rental rate, the prospect is trying to impress us, right? He's trying to say, oh, I have money in the bank, and I don't need a co-signer, and you know, I like. And then I always say, well, why did you call on my shopping center? Oh, well, I love the traffic. They just tell you all these things to impress you, and then the minute you give the rental rate, it's like pulling teeth to get information out of them after you give them the rental rate. So I think having the list with the accumulation of all of the questions, and then I also said to Greg yesterday is, um, you know, I know that people go, well, people get mad like they get you know, they get irritated that you keep asking them a lot of questions. And I, I say to the leasing agents, make it, you know, use this as a test. The people that get mad are usually the people that are not serious. Like I said to, I said to Greg, if Danny from Shake Shack called me about a space, he would be thrilled that I was asking all of these questions. If you have a serious prospect, they're happy to answer all of the questions. But the ones that get irritated or impatient, I find aren't real, they're not real serious. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that, that speaks volumes. And, and really what it, what it does is it, this, this kind of, this sheet really prepares you and it prepares the, the business relationship to be a, you know, to be a, a really strong partnership. And to truly understand the other side, really turning the conversation about them to learn as much as we can about them, you know, is going to reveal so much more than, than simply what's the questions that are answered on that sheet. Because you can create a business plan based on this information. And, and really, at least from, from the local leasing side, understanding the retailer's business and, and really putting them in a, in a position for success, whether it be with your property or somebody else's, I think speaks volumes. And the, the more we do that, I think the better off all of us will be because we'll be educating more entrepreneurs and retailers better and hopefully educating them and then putting them in a better position to have a have a real estate conversation, but be confident that they're able to to expand and and not be afraid to pick up the phone to call a mall or call a shopping center and and to learn and you know not to be scared to call the big bad mean landlord and you know where they're going to get where they feel like they're going to get gouged for every single penny that they have. 
So kudos, kudos to you to kind of putting this together because I think it's really a, you know, talk about it. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of what you would need for real estate 101. More or less. Well, and I think I think that, um, and when you're vet, you know, when you're a vet and you're now running around with twenty or thirty properties, and you're getting twenty phone calls a day, um, we we vet, me included, and I don't have twenty or thirty, but you know, if my if I'm short on time, we get out of the habit of asking all of these questions. You know, we say, okay, well, what's your use? How many square feet do you need? And do you have another location? And but that's not being a rock star. Being a rock star is then saying, the, the really most important question I think on the sheet is, why'd you call on my center? Because before you give the rent, when you ask them, why'd you call on my center, they tell you the true, authentic, honest reasons why they called on your center, which then, you know, two days later when you're in the space showing it, all of a sudden when all the objections start coming out, the objections will be completely the opposite of why they called on your center. Like for Shops of Arrowhead, one of my centers, when I say, why'd you call on the center? And they go, oh, we love the traffic. We, you know, the traffic is just unbelievable. There's so many people here, yada, yada. Then, you know, 24 hours later, I'm showing them the space. What do you think the number one objection is? Parking. Right. No parking. Well, you know, is it true? Yes. I, I do have limited parking, but does the prospect like the fact, you know, which is more important? So I think that the, the more important and honest answer is the traffic, not the negative. I think obstacles, and I think objections that are created when you're in negotiations, you know, nobody wants to buy anything fast that is of high value. You know, there's nobody that's going to walk into my vacancy and go, I'll take it, send me the lease. It's just never going to happen. And if that does happen, that deal's not going to go through. I mean, I've been doing this for 34 years. It's very, it's, you know, extremely, extremely, extremely rare that someone walks into the space and says, I'll take it, I'm going to sign a lease. And, and, and like Barry's on the phone, no one, if anyone's going to buy a $10 million shopping center or you know, a $5 million freestanding building, they're going to negotiate and they are going to come up with objections. And usually what they do is they come up with objections that aren't really truly objections, but they're ways to slow down the process for them to kind of get their arms around the idea that they're about to spend a crap load of money. So that question of why, you know, why did you call in my center? What did you like about it that you called? is so important and let them tell you all of the reasons and then you know I, and I don't say well you know yeah I don't like make them wrong when I'm showing the space well you said yesterday that you love the traffic and now you're you know I don't say that I just know in my brain that this is just you know subterfuge you know this is just a delay tactic because they are very interested and they're just slowing up the process and then the other questions what I find also you know, now vets are less likely to do this, but rookies do this a lot, is rookies are afraid to ask the tough questions. You know, rookies are afraid to say, you know, how much did your last restaurant build-out cost? And, you know, what, what is your budget for your occupancy costs for rent? 
and are you signing the lease? Oh, by the way, are you married? Because we require a personal guarantee and we need your spouse. I mean, it, you know, rookies are so anxious to do deals that they'd rather just kind of push the deal ahead and get to the showing of the space and think, I'll get to those tough questions later, where I want all of the tough questions to come out on that first call because the one thing we don't have enough of is time. And, you know, I'm okay if, if rookies want to practice showing space. I, you know, I don't mind that because I think that's an exercise in learning. But I also want them to learn about time management. And, you know, you got to ask, the, 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 the quicker you get in the habit of asking the tough questions early, the quicker you're going to know if you have a deal or not. And, and the quicker you're going to know that if you do have a deal, that that deal is actually going to have staying power. You know, right. we can do deals all the time, and, you know, within six months, door closes, falls apart, whatever the case may be. So the more discovery work you put in the front end, it is absolutely critical because it really will put you in a better position, not just for the retailer, but, but as your property in a whole to – Minimize vacancy, long term, you know, vacancies, short term, long term. Right. I mean, when I, when I was leasing, when I had a big leasing team, or even now with Kara, if she brings me this sheet and it's fully filled out, I I'll, I know within three percent if it's a deal that's going to happen. Yeah. Because she's got all the information, and if it's half filled out, we don't know. And it's going to take a few more phone calls, a few more meetings, you know yada yada so the more information you get on that first call before you give the rent the quicker you'll know or your boss will know if you have a, if it's going to be a real deal good deal so Beth it's, it's interesting because what I what I've learned and, and known about you for the, the the brief time that we've known each other I, I tell that you you really love to teach like you, you love to educate, you love to see, you know, to, to help, uh, you know, the newbies, the, the rookies, the, the veterans, everybody in the industry to, to just to, to learn about the industry better. You know, and this, this book is, is, is a brain dump, of just your experience over 30, you know, over 30 plus years being in the industry. Why do you feel like this book needed to be written? Because there, there isn't one, right? I mean, there's, there's, I think, one or two very dry academic um, uh, books that kind of that I guess are available older and more and has more to, to do and talk about um, like malls. You know, not I have never been able to find something that teaches what I've learned and what I've been taught over 34 years. You know, I can't find – there's definitely sales books everywhere, right? You can pick up probably 10 million different books on sales, but there's no book that talks about how do you go into a retail store and ask a mom and pop if they want to expand, right? There's no books about that. And so I learned early on when I was training, you know, my leasing agents, you know, at Terra Nova – the only way I could build the company was to bring in kids that didn't know anything about leasing and teach them leasing. Uh, so that's how we built the company, and that's how I built the team, and I had to train them. So I created 
training programs, they were never really written down. They, you know, it was like Bethism, you know, and I'd have them sit in my office. You know, we, had a, we did have a program. It was a one-year program, and everyone and, and other companies, you know, then my, my trainees would kind of leave us and go to other companies, and people would, you know, people always loved to hire the kids I trained, so I knew that, you know, they were, they were pro producers. And then when I left Terranova and the phone started ringing and people said, we want you to come train our people, um, you know, I just knew that and I would, after I would do a workshop, they would go, a lot of people would say, when's the book coming out? When's the book coming out? You need to put all of this in a book. And I had always, I was an English literature major in college. I always thought I was going to write a book one day. I didn't know it would be about retail leasing. But I thought there was a need. And um, based on the success of this book, the first book that Jill and I wrote, I, we wanted to write this book, but I was very scared. And I knew it was going to take a lot. This took a lot more than the first book. And I thought, and Jill and I talked about it, and I said, let's just do, uh, you know, I don't say no for the prospect was a thing I used to I say all the time. And we had so many stories. I said, this could be a fun, easy book, 100 pages, and let's see what the process is. And if it's not a big deal, you know, if it doesn't take too much brain damage, then we can do the real book, which was this book. So, um, you know, because Jill, and, and I've been after Jill for a long time to, to help me write a book, but she, you know, had a busy career and a company and a family, and, and it, it just worked out well that a year, you know, 14 months ago, we were able to work on Don't Say No for the Prospect. We've sold, uh, I think in, in a year or 14 months, we've sold 400 Don't Say No for the Prospect books. We've already sold over 250 retail lease and playbooks in the first month. So that tells me the need for this book. Interesting. So that, that leads me to, so you, you, you've written the first, now you've written the second. Are you, are you going to finish a trilogy? Is, is there a third book on the, on the horizon? Well, do you, you, know, do you know what my mission is? Do you know what my mission is with leasing agents? What's my mission? I know Barry knows my mission. I don't know, Greg, if you know my mission. I don't think I know I know the mission. mission. Okay, what's the mission? All right, it's Jill. We've got to turn everyone into retail investors. Right. So my, my mission is that leasing agents, and, you know, and I think Barry would agree with me that if it wasn't for leasing agents, uh, Barry wouldn't be selling shopping centers, and mortgage brokers wouldn't be financing shopping centers, and architects wouldn't be designing shopping centers, and the, the people that lease invest are the leasing agents. And without them, the industry would stop. And it bothers me tremendously that leasing agents don't invest. I just had a call yesterday with a guy that's been in the business. He's a rock star. He's been in the business 20 years. And he found a deal. And he called me because I've been harping on this. And he heard me. And he's going to put in his first proposal today. Uh, and, he's, and he's a little scared because he's never done it. And but that's okay, and I'm going to help walk him through it and help him find some money to do it. But I'm so happy because we all the leasing agents 
should be doing this. And so I don't know if I'm going to write that book because uh, that's going to, you know, I think that book has been written by Gary Rappaport from the Rappaport Company, so I don't really think I need to write the book. But maybe we'll do, you know, in something. Something about investing. I don't know. But I, I'm not sure. But for right now, I'll tell you, two books in 14 months, Jill and I are definitely taking a break. Right, Jill? <laughs> yes. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Working this book now. It's great. It's, it's a yeah. true business partner. Good enough, you know, for now. Good deal. So what's, what's been interesting about the book, and I, I read it over, over Christmas um, while we were, you know, basically hibernating for two weeks. And, you know, I've actually implemented some of these strategies just, just over the last couple of weeks. And, and, and it's interesting how really easy they are to do. And I'm not saying they're – but they're, they work. And, and that's what's, what's interesting about this book is it's, it's the playbook, the roadmap, whatever you want to describe it. But, you know, just taking some of these strategies – that, that you talk about and really implement them into your, you know, into the fabric of, of your workday, you will see benefits and results very quickly. And I mean within days. For example, I did the canvassing route just this past week, and I, you know, Beth gets in the book, Beth says, the best thing you can do while canvassing is getting lost. Get lost in a market, try to figure out where you are, and the more you and if you're lost, you will then your eyes will be a lot more open, you'll see more, you'll discover more, and you'll just be more open to additional ideas. So I got lost in Dickinson, Texas two days ago. And lo and behold, I found somebody that I wasn't expecting, connected them with them on Facebook. We have a showing at a space next week for Woo! one of our And I mean, so that's just a practical ex- example. But this stuff works, and, and that's why I, I think it needed to, your book needed to be written because, yes, it's, you're educating the public of, of, of different strategies to implement, but what I think people truly need to understand, not just from this call, but from reading the, 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 two, the book, is this stuff works. And it works quickly, and it's easy to implement. It just takes a little bit of dedication, some discipline, and time. And it is – and that's where I think for, for the biggest part about this, I, I want to say thank you for writing it. Thank you for giving us this the voice to to really show us how to be successful in, in our careers and our positions because this isn't just something that you do for um, shopping centers in Florida. This isn't something that you do for malls in Texas or Missouri or, or Ohio or wherever. This is things that can be implemented on every level. In, in pretty much multiple industries. I mean, we're talking about commercial real estate and shopping centers, but this is a book that I think can really trans, transcend different industries across, the, you know, with, within, our, within the country. And, and, and so, I mean, it's just thank you. 
thank you for doing this. And it really, I mean, I just, I, I feel like a much stronger leasing agent because, because after reading it and, and really just be kind of getting to study and learn from you and, and kind of be able to truly see what's in that head of yours. Um, and, and, and so that, that, that's just been, the, the, I wanted to say that while we're on a call because I think it's, it needed to be said. But, um, but yeah, these strategies are, are very easy to implement and they work 50 to 60% okay. of the time. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. I, uh, I, I, loved, I loved doing it. You know, I, again, I couldn't have done it without Jill. Um, and I love, you know, what, so, you know, what we're doing is we're starting a podcast, I think, in the next two weeks. And every week I'm going to, so I have, I already do some, you know, we put this book club on Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. It's a podcast host, hosting site. What, we're going to, what I'm going to start doing is every week I'm going to take one to two chapters and talk about the chapters. Uh, and then go, and because there's 69 chapters, you know, we'll be able to fill the year with me talking about concepts in the book throughout the year. And um, throughout the year, if I can, we can figure out how to have guests, I, I want guests to talk about... <clears throat> 6300 Westgate Road. Um, I think you know, double checking about the people that drive in. My client was also curious about... Um, he's, he's calling for space somewhere. So um, anyway, doing a podcast to talk about the a couple chapters each week and uh, be a little more thorough or maybe tell more stories and then have people on the call Greg, like, you know, maybe when I get to Chapter 34, I'll have you back and we'll talk about, you know, the call-in sheet. So um, if anyone is on the call that wants to, to participate in the podcast on a particular chapter that they liked or they got benefit out of, let me know because I think it's good to share, you know, everyone shares experiences. But um, I just think that would be an additional... Uh, help because I'm not going to do an audio book on this book. We did the audio book on uh, Don't Say No for the Prospect. It was two days, about, I don't know, we put probably about 12 hours into the recording of it and then, you know, a lot of uh, investment into the whole editing and, and, and you know, putting it on, um, on audio book. And Greg, guess how many people downloaded the audio book? Oh God! Uh, I I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, well, throw out a number. Five hundred. Seven. Really? So interesting. Uh, so much to those seven people's unhappiness, because four of them have already asked me, "When is it? When's the audio book for this one coming out?" This, you know, with over 244 pages, it would probably take me four days in a studio. And it just, we just didn't get the response. So I, I'm good with that. I, I, you know, there, people are just going to, and I think it's good because this one, it can be, I, you know, I want it to be the playbook, right? I want it to sit on your desk. I want you to be able to go, oh, I'm having a problem with this. What does that say? Let me go to that chapter. 
So, yeah, this this book would be very difficult to do, to to you know to be of value on audio. I mean, there's parts that would work, but because it is like you say the playbook, and there's a lot of you know graphic examples of like your Facebook conversations and your marketing flyers and the call-in sheets and those things. The, the, that's hard to translate, and it and it really it would be very difficult on an audio play mm -hmm. to, to really get any value out of it. Um, but like you said, this means, this is one of these books that just, you know, kind of sits by your computer, sits by your desk, and if you need to pull it up and, and you know, pull it out and get, get some inspiration, like that's what it's for. And I think that was kind of your intention when writing it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I want, you know, <laughs> it's a legacy. You know, this will for sure be my last decade in the business. Um, I don't see any Beth Azores out there preaching about retail leasing and canvassing behind me. I would love someone maybe on this call to follow in my footsteps, uh, but I don't see a lot, you know, because it's, it's time, right? I mean, I like doing deals too. I just happen to also like teaching. But um, so if, I, if there's no one coming up behind me, and this is going to be my last decade, pretty much Look, I've been using, I mean, Facebook, I've only been started using in the last two or three years. But everything else in this book is pretty much 30 years old. You know, it's been working for me for 30 years. So hopefully it'll, it'll stay around longer than, I, than me. And people, you know, in decades coming, you know, like Tara going forward will be able to use it and refer to it if they hit a stumbling block and they can say, you know, what, did, what, what was best experience? What were her tips? What did she suggest? So as part of this call, we, we always have, you know, the, the interviewer is, is, is always kind of leading or guiding the conversation, but we, we really want engagement from, from those that are on the line. And, you know, so I'm going to open that up to, to, different call, to the callers. Callers in. I mean, and if you guys have a question, no, no, no question is, is unwarranted to Beth. I think this is a great opportunity just to pick her brain, and whether it be with with regards to the book or or, or different strategies. And now is the time, um, you know. So I'm going to open that up. Does anybody else have any questions for Beth? Great. I would just second what you said initially. I mean, this is very uh, just phenomenal information, and you know, a lifetime of stories and successes, and and we all have our failures and you know things we learn from. So, I mean, Beth shared that with us, and it really is, like you said, just a fantastic gift, and just tons and tons of information when you combine the two books. And I'm I'm going through the, I've read the first one. I'm going through the the retail leasing playbook, and you know, learning a ton and. Lots of you know, lots of things we can all execute on, certainly. Thank you. You my guys pleasure. are my fans. Yeah. Hello? Did somebody else have a question? I think that hey, I have being... a question. Yeah. So in one of the chapters that you had talked about, you talked about relocating a um, a destination tenant that could be in like an impulse end cap kind of spot to further in line in the space or moving them to like an elbow. 
So that way yeah. you could find a, a different kind of tenant to bring more traffic in for um, an end cap space. How do you approach those conversations? Sure. So what I, so the first thing I want to do, I, I want to find someone that will backfill. I don't want to relocate a tenant unless I have a backfill for that tenant space because an owner, or if you're the owner of the shopping center, you don't want to spend the money unless you know for sure that there's someone that wants the space that he's giving up, right? So that's step one. So once you, so if you say, okay, I've got a physical therapy and an end cap, and Panera and Starbucks and H&R Block or you know whoever they're calling me for that end cap, I know I can lease it if I have it available. Okay, check. So that that box is checked. So now you go into physical therapy and say, hey, um, how you guys doing? Um, you know, you've been here four years. Are you are you thinking about renewing? How's business? And they might say business is great. We'd actually like more square footage. Or business is not great. We might want to downsize. You know, you have those conversations. And then they'll say, why are you asking? And then you say, well, you know, you're in 3,000 square feet, and we have 4,000 square feet, you know, in the vacancy, you know, down the way. I wouldn't tell them the elbow, right? So, because uh, these tenants don't know that we think, you know, many of those tenants don't know the challenges, they might know that the space has been vacant, but they don't know that it's an industry-wide problem. So, um, and they might say, well, I would never want to go there because there's not enough, there's, the parking is limited or the exposure is not as great. But sometimes what I've done in certain centers is I've done like a, a band signage where I connect the band signage from like one wing to the other to where actually That's the guy ends up having... Yeah. Oh, are you good? The, the guy ends up having better signage than he did in the space where he was at. So, uh, and then because if you can backfill him for more rent, which has been my experience, if you have an impulse space versus a destination space, you can get more rent. So, physical therapy is paying 15, and I think I can get 20 from Panera then I might, and, and I've had this elbow space empty for a year, I don't mind taking the guy from 15 to 10, right? So I say, so if you're, you know, do you want to go down and see it? You know, either do you want to expand or downsize, and I can work with you on your rent. So I think it's important, do they want to expand or downsize, either or I'm good with. Like if you wanted to downsize and go to 2,000, maybe what I would do is split the space, again, economic you know, construction costs, you'd have to see if it makes sense. But if the guy downsizes, then maybe you don't have to drop his rent. You know, you, you keep, maybe you drop, maybe you go from 15 to 14. And, but, but again, the first step is making sure you can backfill his space. Does that help? Yeah, that's very helpful. I just never, we ran into a similar situation and just, um, I wasn't sure how the easiest way to, would be to approach it, given that I'm newer, and then also just the tenant's reaction and um, kind of approaching it in that matter makes it seem like everybody's winning afterwards sort of deal. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, the first step is making sure you have a backfill. Because if you go walking into your boss's office and say, hey, I have this idea. We should move the physical therapy guy into the elbow. Your boss is going to go, why would I spend that kind of money? Oh, and I should drop his rent. So the key is, hey, boss, look, I just got a Panera or, you know, some, you know, a great tenant 
to take the physical therapy space at ABC Plaza. Here is a signed LOI contingent on us getting possession of the space. What do you think about me going and talking to the physical therapist about relocating into the elbow and dropping his rent to make that happen because he's paying 15 and I just got a signed LOI with Panera at 23 right? And then your boss says, sounds great, or let me call the owner, or so that's, you know, that's rock star thinking. But you've got to have the backfill tenant in your pocket. Okay, thank but you. Thank you for the question. Hey, Beth, uh, you show some of the flyers that you have for your properties in the book, you know, in the book, some examples. <laughs> Who creates I, them and, and, and what, what software are you guys using to create them? I know some, of, some larger developers will have their own flyers and they have their own marketing departments that use them, but, you know, the, the majority of shopping center owners are, aren't, a, aren't a large corporation and are, you know, doing this on their own. So just, just curious to know, you know, kind of how you're able to put all that together, uh, you know, and what you're using, who's doing it, and, you know, how it all yeah. can be. Well, so I'm not a large company, right? And we started with one center, and now we have six. Um, Josie figured out how to do it. I, I think I have no idea, and if she can jump on the speakerphone, because I know Kara is out of showing, so Kara now does them. We also have a woman that if we need like, to make it look a little more professional, I like to have lots of colors, um, and you know, I'm, I don't lean towards like, the corporate branding, you know, muted colors. I want the thing to jump out at a tenant when he gets into his office and he goes to the back of his store and it's this bright red you know, colored flyer that has valuable information to the prospect. Like, he doesn't care what company I'm with. He, you know, I, I, always, I put my name and my number on it at the bottom so I don't have to staple my business card. I like to have the site plan. I think that's important. But all this, you know, this copy, quote, unquote, that people put on their flyers about things that aren't important. Now, we just added on one of our flyers hospital visits at a hospital across the street from our property, a million two visitors a year. That's not even in the demographic. Like we just, we, I've been leasing this property for three years and didn't even think to call the hospital to ask how many visitors they get a year. And we're targeting restaurants. So we added that recently to our flyer. But um, uh, Josie, are you on? Do you know what we use? I have no idea. I certainly don't do the flyers. Uh, I am. You know, that would, okay. What, how, do, what do we, how do we make them? I use um, Microsoft Publisher um, because I'm so familiar with the Microsoft product. Um, I find it is very easy to use. Um, I believe Kara has a Mac, so I don't know what she uses uh, to make the flyers, but I find a Publisher is very easy to use. And I know she was trying Canva for a while. I don't know, you know... Uh, people said Canva is very easy to use. I think she struggled with it, though, didn't she? Yes, she did. Yeah. So, Canva's um, easy. Canva is easy to work with, but I'm not sure. It's it just. A, I mean, I, I think for Canva works for like just basic images, but you know, you got a background image in, image, and you can put some text over it, and I think it works. But yeah, you try to create something more along the lines of like a flyer that you can get out of Publisher. 
that that's what you're there's I'm not sure it's meant for for that yeah so um so they do it and uh when interns start like in the summer if interns are with me and and we like them after a few weeks and we think they're you know good to go we'll teach them how to do it to just take it off of the plate of you know Kara and Josie but um you know we we can whip those baby we just we are working on a new uh second-gen restaurant space that's coming available in a hot area in Miami and you know I think Kara will have it done in a day you know we don't mess around we, and, and and again but we're not you know Greg there's people there are big companies out there who I train for and work for and you know they have three page flyers or brochures or you know I want to you know if, if I was only leasing like Kara I'd be handing a hundred flyers out a week I don't want to spend I don't want three pages I want something that will be have good information for the prospect. You know, like if I've got a second gen hair salon or a second gen restaurant, I want to make sure um, that I've got a flyer so that I can go and and leave that second gen hair salon flyer at 40 hair salons and get a lease done. You know, uh, one of my partners has a center and had a, a second gen hair salon, and he said we haven't been able to lease it. I go, well, did you do a flyer? And he said, no, I, I think they're using the regular flyer for the shopping center. And so Kara went and did the flyer. She took pictures of it with the chairs and the mirrors and the cabinetry and the shampoo bowls. And um, we, we, we canvassed about over two weeks. We probably hit about 200 hair salons, and we, did, we signed a lease. Because the, the mom and pops don't have time to leave their stores and go looking in windows of vacancies saying, you know, saying, is there a full service hair salon in here? So I think it's also important to put, we, we put in the window of that space, you know, former hair salon with, you know, 10 chairs, two shampoo bowls. We put that like in kind of like a leasing sign in the window. And what we also did is this is in a town center type of scenario, so lots of activity on the weekends and the evenings, um, we turn the lights on so that uh, and I do that. I do that at most of my properties. I'll pick a vacancy or two, and I'll turn the lights on so that at night it's showcasing the vacancy. Because you know I'm not there at night showing vacancy, but maybe someone drives through the parking lot and sees the lights on in a vacancy and says, "Oh, there's a vacancy." And my friend's looking for space. Let me tell him. Yeah, we used to make flyers when I was with DDR forever. I made flyers with. Corral Draw. I don't even know if that software even exists anymore. This was, I mean, we were using like graphic design artwork, and this is before. This is before um, Photoshop and that kind of thing. I mean, this was so. It's interesting that that because we we could certainly use them on our end, but now we're big. You know, we're the big corporate entities. I mean, we'd have to get approval to go get your graphic design approved and all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah. it, it, it's good. It, it, I mean, just, just knowing that the software's there and it's really easy to use. You know, Publisher's really easy to use. Um, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, so that that's good. And, and I mean, the examples take, are there. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. I mean, it's good that the examples are in the book and, and you can kind of use that as a guide. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be exactly the same. But, um, again, it's just another example of, of of different things that people can use, different tools that are available 
that, that people can use to, to help just you know help lease their shopping centers and and, and increase their occupancy going forward so that's the goal any other questions um, any CRM software that you recommend this is Parisa by the way yeah I um so I used DAX for 25 years I love DAX but Axis became non uh, helpful when we all got iPhones so I uh, I I dragged myself kicking and screaming to change and start researching a new product. And this is where teaching comes in because I would stand up in front of you guys and go, you have to use the CRM, and I wasn't even using one myself. So um, shame on me. And I, I said I, I'm feeling very guilty because I, I know how it helped me for years and years and years when I was you know, a leasing agent, and that's all I was doing. So um, I tried Zoho. I had a huge problem with their customer service. We stopped using Zoho nine months ago. They're still billing me. Like, so that just shows, like, I, I know other people have had good experiences. I did not. So we switched over to PipeDrive. And uh, I like PipeDrive. None of them are perfect. Uh, the most expensive one in the land is Salesforce. And if you work for a big company that offers you that, you know, Salesforce is like the Ritz-Carlton or the Cadillac of CRM, and people that use it like it. I know other people use Client Look, that, and they like that. Uh, I, all I know is you need to have something, and if your company doesn't have one, invest in one yourself. They're not that expensive, and if you canvas and prospect in the numbers that you should be, if you're if you're just a leasing agent, you should be you know prospecting a couple hundred people a week. You have to have a CRM because otherwise it's a waste of time because you can't keep all of those prospects in your brain. So there, you know, I just recommend Client Look, Pipe Drive as as two of the least expensive ones, and do the tutorials and and see you know. Some of them, someone just told me yesterday that there's one of them that's offering six months free. I go, well, just, you know, you just have to see who you are and what you like. I think there's something called Reology maybe. But um, in, what I would do if you're on LinkedIn, I would go on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm retail leasing agent. What uh, CRM do you guys like? And you'll get, you know, 40 different responses. And then just go do a tutorial on a couple of them and pick one and go for it. And use it. Okay. If it's I agree, Beth. Same. This is Beth. I was gonna say. I was gonna add in as it relates to CRM, Beth. I think it's. I wouldn't get too hung up on which you use. It's just use it and input all right. the information, notes from every contact, and you know, it, it's kind of the old adage: garbage in, garbage out. You could have the greatest CRM in the world if you don't use it right or don't use it. It doesn't matter. And you could have a crummy. You know, but if you really input all the information, it'll it'll pay dividends. Right, and you know. Barry, uh, what what percentage of your success do you attribute to your full use of your CRM, your active use of your CRM? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I wouldn't. It's not. It's not. That's not why you're successful. But I, I definitely, if I didn't have one, I, I'd been out of the business year many, many, many years ago. Uh, I don't think it's possible to be successful in what we do without one. 
Yeah, and, and you know, Barry's the type of guy who's like says, oh, so how was Alex, how was Mario's math test last week? <laughs> because you know, I mentioned it on a call when I was on a call, and he's, I can hear him typing away. But uh, there's a saying with CRM, if it's work, it won't work. Because we leasing salespeople w don't want to work hard at doing things like that. Now, it does take time, but if you're doing a tutorial and you're confused or it's hard, then move on to the next one. Pipedrive is very easy. If I can do, use it, Pipedrive, you know, you guys can use Pipedrive. So if, but it, so if you feel like it's too much work, try the next one. But, but, but like what Barry said, pick one. And uh, I mean, and my friend Hugh Chen, who was, you know, when he's now the president of Saglow and, and is more doing more acquisitions than leasing. So when we, he was a rock star leasing agent, uh, he, he would say that 80% of his success, 90% of his success had to do with his prospecting and his CRM. So you got it. Hey Beth, this, Go ahead. this is Kevin Cush with uh, with the PMAT companies, president of the PMAT companies. Uh, wanted to carry on because I've actually been researching some of the CRM stuff, experimenting and whatnot. And I actually I haven't found anything where they're talking about how they set up their CRM. Right, PipeDrive is customizable with the buckets that you can put it into. Maybe it's not an appropriate topic to dive into on this call but a, a good source for an additional call, and I'm happy to talk you know, offline with you on this, or maybe it's a, a podcast or a video that you put out uh, on how you set up that, that, that pipe drive and how that might be useful for other folks to carry on. Um, and, and then additionally, the uh, software that is offering the six months free, uh, that is indeed client look, and that's only for new leasing agents. And that does look pretty customized for the commercial real estate industry. Well, yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Kevin. I've been talking about doing a like a like a podcast where I get three or four people, users, not the companies. Like Rod Santimassimo does a great um, has done a great video where he has the representatives from the CRM. I want yep. people. I want the users to get on a call on like a, a Zoom call and share it with my audience and you know all of you guys have people say, I use this, and this is why I like it, and this is how I do it. The challenge I've had is, you know, agents are busy, and they're like, well, what is that? You know, many of them have said to me, well, what is, how's that going to help me? <laughs> and sure. Good karma. It's good karma. Yep. So, um, but, yeah, I will, thanks for that, and um, I will uh, think about doing something like that in the next few months, but uh, to answer your question, and certainly I can do it for pipe drive. Sounds great. So, uh, Greg, it's 12.21. We're one minute over, so I think we need to close out unless anyone else – I'm happy to stay if anyone else has other questions, but I always like to promise to get you guys out um, and get back to business and back to prospecting and doing deals. Yeah, so thank you again for your, your leadership, your guidance, your knowledge. Um, I think this has been valuable for everybody. Um, would like to invite, would, would like to recommend that if you have read the book, please go to Amazon, give a review, because it will help others to find the book that's looking around, you know, in Amazon. I think it helps everybody. Um, so please go do that. I need to do that as well. Um, uh, so I, I will do that today. And I would like to invite everybody to come back next month 
uh, February 14th, where we will be talking about The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Um, I'm actually very interested in reading this. I know she's been in an industry um, leader for some time and obviously you know, award-winning producer of Grey's Anatomy and other other TV and um, I, yeah, I just started so. listening to it. It's very interesting, and it's it's. I love it. I, I've just started listening to it, and I'm really liking it. So I think you guys will like it, and it's something different, you know, for us. But um, Greg, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And and just FYI, FYI, you guys, um, the digital class that I know some of you have already signed up for. Uh, we're closing it out on January 31st. So if you know of anyone that wants to take the class. It, it closes on the 31st of January, so jump on. It's 497. It's four modules. It covers market studies, um, how to target tenants, and canvassing. And it's got 20 handouts. And the people that have already been doing it for three days are sending me rave reviews. So if you have people on your team that need a refresher or that are rookies, it's uh, it's a great class. We put a lot of time and energy into it. I think I think you guys will like it. So. Greg, thank you so much. I really you appreciate you interviewing me. And I'll see you guys, uh, maybe some of you at the Nexus next week in Miami, ICSE.